Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast. My name is Fernando. And I'm Randy. And uh, this is another episode of the podcast. So yep. how's everything going, man? Man, everything is great on my end. I'm loving life right now. Um, we were talking about off, off the air or off the mic. You reading some new books? Yeah, yeah. I've, I'm at a point right now where um, all of the business and leadership books kind of repeat themselves. And it's like, what's the point of keeping reading? I need to challenge myself. So I've been really diving into more uh, more biographies and uh, philosophy right now. So like we were just talking about The Power Broker, and I read finished that last week, and I highly recommend it. Um, Robert Moses was definitely one of the most interesting people out there and how that dude went about like running New York's infrastructure for 44 years, <laughs> just unchallenged. And the only reason he lost power was basically because of Nelson Rockefeller, who became governor, who was equally as powerful as Robert Moses because he's a Rockefeller <laughs> and uh man it's super duper interesting but um yeah I think it's uh I think every I don't know this is my opinion but I think everyone should get a really good understanding of simple ideas relative oh, I, I say simple but simple in terms of context and rel and, and relativity so business and leadership is simple in relation to to deeper ideas and once you get a grasp on those ideas, I think you have to challenge yourself to really keep your learning process going. And so, like, I've been studying phenomenology and affect theory right now, and that's been really, really interesting to dive into. I mean, I think, you know, business and leadership and personal development, professional development, like, at the end of the day, to your point, it sounds repetitive mm -hmm. because the foundation is what it is, right? right? And I think the only thing that's different from every single book to book is the perspective and the stories and the context that people provide. Right. Well, you kind of have to look at it from a meta standpoint. So it's like, what are the common themes across all of these books? And once you understand what the commonalities are, you can implement, you should already be implementing them, but you should understand what is like the common theme among that and then apply that. And once you have, once you're oriented well enough to where you're applying those things regularly, it's like, okay, well now what can I actually learn? And I learn? think you're only able to do that if you really study a book, right? I think, yeah. well, you learn a book because right. I know we talked about this in a few episodes ago, the difference between studying and learning. Mm -hmm. and I think studying is, is you do because you have to regurgitate it or because mm -hmm. you're, you're having to study for a test or whatever the case is. Right. Then when you learn, you learn something. And I think, you know, a lot of people fall into this trap of listening to books on Audible or just reading book after book. Mm -hmm. And they come and find out that, hey, I've been reading all of this information and I know about it, but they really don't learn the material yeah you haven't done shit with it right and so if you can't you can't even do that with one book it's very difficult for people to even connect the dots right you know i think from that perspective the things that i've been having to do is i slow down now mm -hmm. um and reading the books that i'm re reading and then even the, the audible stuff i put like bookmarks on stuff mm -hmm. and i recently bought a kindle what I like about the Kindle is you can highlight stuff mm -hmm. and at the end of the book it shows you all of your highlights condensed right right and so i think you know, me being able to go back to my highlights and take notes on those highlights has been pretty big deal, right? Yeah. Uh, same thing with the books that I highlight. Um, we talked about a common book, right? Uh, uh -huh. Commonplace book. Commonplace yeah. book. We were, we heard that through uh, Ryan Holiday. And I think having something like that too allows you to connect the dots. Because to your point, you're able to say, you know what? This book is talking about XYZ and this other book talked about XYZ. Mm -hmm. And in my common book, this section talks about XYZ. So now I yeah. can connect the dots right yeah i've actually changed my stance on the, the the utility of a commonplace book i think it makes uh it makes it too easy to forget uh, too easy to forget yeah also so now i whenever i'm reading something 
I'll read it and then I'll put the book down and then I'll try to recall without looking at the book what I just read and summarize it in my head. Okay. And that is practicing your recall ability, but also practicing your concentration ability. I, and I, I, I used to read like that all the time. And then I started trying out the commonplace book thing. And I felt like I wasn't absorbing as much information anymore because it gave my brain a reason to not have to retain that information. And I can see the utility of it if like you're a writer and you really want to condense ideas. Because that's to me what a lot of these books are nowadays. These, you know, pop sci books is just condensing broader ideas into something more digestible for the masses. But and there's no problem with that. But for me as a person who just wants to have and apply the information, it doesn't make sense to have a commonplace book. And 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 it, there's nothing wrong with it. And if that's how you choose to learn, if like you've always been a flashcards person, that makes total sense for you to mm-hmm. do a commonplace book. But I've never been a flashcards person. I've just always been like, great, what did I just learn? And okay, cool, I can summarize it, and I understand how this summary fits in a broader interpretation of reality. For me, it helps writing stuff down, mm-hmm. and so that's why I have a journal. That's why I have like you know all these little notebooks that I carry around. Yeah, because the act of writing it down helps me remember what I'm about to ask or about to like read. Right. Mm -hmm. And so even right now we're talking about this thing and I had to write down, Randy made a note that said all these personal and professional development books start to sound the same. Yeah. And so I made a note because I want to make sure I go back to it. Right. Mm -hmm. So from the common, common book plays, um, I don't know. I like going back and reading little little note cards and say, Hey, what did I write this for? And what were, where where was I in the space, uh, headspace and what I can, Mm -hmm. where I can learn from that. Right. Mm -hmm. And so some books that I've read multiple times, it's kind of cool to go back and look at the highlights and look at the things that I wrote down on the margins because I was in a different place back then. Sure. So from that perspective, I I enjoy it. Yeah. And that makes, that makes total sense. And there's one caveat I want to add to my thing is I, I noticed because I'm so extroverted, I will try to distill the information I just learned into whatever conversation I'm having and apply that information to the context of a conversation. And for me, that's helped solidify uh, concretely the information that I just learned. So like, you know, talking about phenomenology, uh, which is what I've been interested in lately with Heidegger and Boss and Bidswald. Um, I was talking to Travis about it this morning because it, it allowed me to practice the new knowledge that I had. So what does that even, what is that? Uh, phenomenology is basically the study of reality, how we perceive reality. Can we perceive reality? And if we do perceive reality, how do we, uh, how do we interpret it essentially? So it's like, like I'm, I'm holding up, like I'm holding something up right now. Fernando, what am I holding up? A cup. Wrong. That is the subject and object view of reality, which is not how humans interpret reality. This is a means of transferring fluids to my body and hydrating. So there's meaning involved with this. It's not just a cup. And I think the biggest way to describe that is there are people who have damage to their brain where they think that they're blind and they like can't, um, they can't see, but then you'll show them a picture of an angry face and their face and their amygdala will respond as if it's seeing a threat. So basically you go, reality is filtered before it even comes to consciousness. Mm -hmm. So like, when you're at a cliff, you don't see a cliff, you see a, a falling off point. Because mm-hmm. you, you have to have that meaning first because it helps keep you alive. Right. And so now it's, okay, well, how, now that we have that in mind, how do we determine what reality actually is? And it's Boss, Boss and Benzwald have two kind of competing ideas, but I really think they work together. Um, 
I can't remember whose is whose, but uh, they kind of defer in this. But one of them says that reality is implicit and through our perceptions and our ethics, we interpret and extract that reality from what we see and what we experience. And the other uh, point of view is that, um, so we talked about it being existent, go through that. Uh, the other point of view is that we project reality onto what we see, but I think it's both. So it's like, if we saw something that's beautiful, is there inherent beauty or are we projecting beauty onto that interpretation? But I think it's both. I mean, it would have to be both because you have to, beauty is just this definition of the beholder, right? Or like, mm -hmm. the, what is it, the phrase? Uh, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Yeah. And so I think you could think something's beautiful and I can be like, that's whatever. Yeah. And I think that's you projecting what mm -hmm. beauty really stands for. Right. And the only way you can define beauty is through the information that you bring into your mind. Right. And that's, that's the scientific um, idea of qualia, like quality. But there are some things that are just kind of irreducible. Like pain is something that's irreducible. Like how do you quantify the quality of pain? It's still pain. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, I think, yeah. But, but again, it's to the projection, right? Because what I, what I can value as a level two pain, uh, threshold, you could say, oh my God, it's like an eight. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I think. Right. But we can still agree that it's still pain at right, the end of right, the day, yeah, which is the, yeah. the idea of like, you can only distill it so far. Yeah. Um, but like to your point uh, of us having differing views on beauty, well, we still have to accept the possibility that beauty is an existence of it in and of itself. And so like where I'm projecting beauty onto something and you don't project it, there's still beauty in that object, whether or not you extract that beauty is partially dependent on your perception, but there's still beauty there, but because of your ethics and your uh, perceptions, you don't extract it the same way I do, Yeah, which is, that's the stuff I've been reading. It's super fascinating. Hmm. Yeah. Seems pretty, yeah, very fundamental. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I think it's important to understand these broader ideas, especially right now in our social climate where it's like <laughs> everyone thinks they see reality, but they don't. But they really don't. And you have to, you have to accept that you don't see reality for what it is before you can actually come closer to seeing reality. But do you feel like, so this is very fundamental, right? But to a certain point, I feel like this is 10 years or 10 steps away for people to even comprehend. And so sometimes I ask very fundamental questions, mm -hmm. you know, to the groups that I'm with and the people's responses is, Man, Fernando, like that's you're just thinking at another level. I'm like, I actually think I'm thinking very fundamental. So to me, that's a very basic level. Right. But people just are not able to conceptualize like the idea that we're talking about right now because it's too far fetched. Do you feel like there is a way to help you like get to that ground level to have these, you know, new understandings of fundamental um, theories? Yeah. Um, Does that make I, sense? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it is like for, we have to accept the the point that is abstract it is it is a hard thing to comprehend well, even philosophy right i mean yeah in the conversation that you're talking about i can't even pronounce the word that you said um what the, not phenomenology phenomenology there you go yeah um like there has to be philosophy involved there has to be you know understanding of culture right um all these different things have to come into play but to me it sounds like to a certain extent you have to extract those things away from from this idea so you can understand it and mm -hmm. then bring those other elements into it. Is that the, is that the case? Sorry, repeat that. Like phenomenology is this thing, right? And mm -hmm. on its own, it's its own thing, but without culture and without, um, philosophy, mm -hmm. you really can't put context into phenomenology. 
Um, or can phenomenology exist on its own without culture and philosophy? Well, culture and philosophy. Um, and the reason I'm asking that is because, you know, we talked about what you extract and what you project. And if I'm talking to somebody from a different culture and a different philosophy mindset, mm-hmm. it's different for them to extract or project something because we're right. different. Sure. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, yes, phenomenology still exists in that situation because it's a meta abstraction of reality. So it's like it's interpreting how we interpret. So it's like um, you and I have our own culture, cultural things in common, but phenomenology helps us to appreciate and understand what we have in common and what we don't have in common and how we uh, use those to simplify reality because you we don't see reality and we also have very like limited like we have very strong perceptual limitations so like you only see what you aim at is the kind of idea this can be boiled down to and it's like um like let's say you think that people are oppressed well if that's what you're aiming at that's what you're going to see and you're only going to see oppression because that's what you think is happening all the time but that might not actually be true and that's 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 hard for people to to grasp and people get defensive about that because that's me telling you that your ethics are wrong but and that's driven by culture and philosophy because those are my own personal values correct yeah Yeah. so your ethics determine your perception yeah and that's what's really hard for people because you you create this um this foundation of how you experience and interact with the world through like your ethics and your values but if someone comes and challenges those fundamental things you've built your life and foundational reality on it fucking sucks yeah like, well because yeah. you have to recalibrate everything right right because exactly we're, we're, we're saying phenomenology should come first and then philosophy and culture and our values and ethics to a certain extent right no 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 i'm saying phenomenology isn't a precursor or a um an antecedent to these things it's just a it is what it is it's an it, abstraction of what it of what things are right yeah yeah i mean i completely agree with that uh-huh. what i'm getting at is if you tell someone hey this is not a cup this yeah. is a way of you know transporting a liquid right. or this could be a vase or whatever the case is well, something so, i'm also going to point out look at how your hand is holding the cup you instinctively know how to use the cup it's right. meaning like there's meaning in but that but here's the thing though we, I feel like to a certain extent, the people who listen to this and ourselves, mm-hmm. we're able to get past the idea of you telling me this is not a cup. Right. Right. And to me, that requires a certain level of education and knowledge and just like maturity. I don't know what other word to use. Critical right? thinking. Right. Critical thinking. And so yeah. to that point, we can get past all of that and have a discussion. Mm-hmm. But if someone's philosophy and culture doesn't allow them to get past that point, fundamentally, phenomenology should be its own individual thing. And it's just the way we view things. But if people can't even get to that level. So you're trying to look at it from how does someone even understand phenomenal? Yeah. yeah. Well, because to me, like that requires such, like a different level of thinking. Mm-hmm. But we're trying to say like it's its own independent thing. You shouldn't have to try to bring things together. But, right. for the, but for the average individual, that's just like that doesn't work that way. Because I my personal values don't allow me to say and, and agree that this is beautiful because my culture and my values say that that is ugly. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. Uh, I kind of get what you're getting at. Um, I would say that it's it's like 
you have to understand first and foremost that you are not the arbitrator of existence. Yeah. And you have to understand that you are fallible and you're irrational. And then you have to have the want and the curiosity to understand why and what's actually going on. Which is huge, right? Yeah. And what's and crazy to me is like even the topic that we're talking about on the social issues in, in our culture, in our country, with mm-hmm. racism, you have to remove yourself and say, I am not the person who says black or white is better than the other. Right. And some people can't even do that. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm getting at with like this phenomenology issue, not issue, but you know, um, what, what is it like? Well, how can I subscribe? How can I, uh, it's a philosophy. It's a philosophy. Yeah. Even the idea of that is abstra- so attractive to people because it's, it, it requires them to take a step back and say, I am not the center of the universe. Yeah. And I think culturally, like that's one of the biggest problems that we have that everybody wants their reality to be the most important one. Mm -hmm. And they forget about the macro. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. We'll catch you next week.